All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're continuing our series on spiritual gifts. Last week we spoke about how the church is a body, each a member of it. Um, we put in some, some safeguards, uh, some hedges that we need. Um, we don't want people to assume because they show up to a place they are a part of the body. And then today we're moving into, as the body has many parts, that's the church, right? So the church has many different functions, many different gifts. If you are in Christ, you are in the body, you have been given gifts through the Spirit. And so our job as a church is to use those gifts for the good of one another and then ultimately for the glory of God. And so when we get to this topic, a lot of times there's, there's this mystery about what this spiritual gift is. How do I find it? Do I have one? Where is it? And so we want to do some uh, clarity, some clarifying work this morning. If you're in Christ, you have one. And we're going to talk about how we can know what our spiritual gifts are. All right, so I'm going to pray and then we'll dig in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for gathering us together. Um, I pray that you give us wisdom on this. Uh, you have gifted us and arranged us in a certain way so that you are glorified. And so I pray that we encourage and build up one another and ultimately lift up your name in this community. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, last night, uh, it's the NBA All-Star Weekend. And so last night they had two competitions. One was the three-point competition, and the other was the dunking competition. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Shaquille O'Neal's one of the greatest NBA basketball players of all time. Right? He's, he's seven foot tall, mountain of a man. Uh, he's not skin and bone. He's thick. He's, he's got muscle. And when they get him the ball, he's dunking the ball in such a way that sometimes the goal would come down. That's a massive man. But you want to know what he never entered? He never entered the three-point contest. If you ever saw him shoot free throws, you'd understand why. So he goes to the free throw line, and on average, he's about a 50% free throw shooter. So you go to that line and you shoot the ball. If you shoot it twice, he's missing one of those. And I think it's interesting when you see a picture of him at the free throw line, a basketball in his hand looks like an M&M in our hands. Like just this massive man trying to put this little thing through a hoop, couldn't do it. So he never signed up for it. But do you think it was important to have him on your team? Absolutely. The Lakers in the heat would say Absolutely. And then uh, I saw last night this guy right here. This, his name's Aaron Gordon, and he called out Taco Fall. Taco is seven foot five, and my man jumps over him and dunks this basketball. Now, I always wanted to have the ability to play above the rim. In high school, when I was in shape, I had these things called jump soles where uh, basically it's a shoe with the heel cut off. So you're walking around on your tippy toes and, and I would run miles with these jump soles, wearing the tread out of them. I would jump rope, building up calves, building up leg muscles. And, and then uh, we had this old gym and there were three goals, one on the left, the middle and the right. And the one on the right didn't have breakaway rims at Boone County High School back in the airplane hangar. The one in the middle did, and what I mean by breakaway, when you jump up and you grab the rim, the rim breaks away and then it pops back up when you let go. Well, the one on the right side didn't, and someone had dunked it and it bent the rim a little bit. And I was feeling really good that day, and I thought, you know what, today's the day. 
Today's the day. I'm going to get my first dunk. And so uh, sure enough, I warmed up. I stretched out. I started to, to work on my jumping. And then I said, I'm going for it. And so before a basketball, I run up as, as fast as I could. And I jump as high as I could. And, and I got and I grazed the rim. My fingertips barely touched the bottom of the rim. And so right then and there, I understood, you know what? I'm never, ever going to be able to dunk. I'm not going to be able to play above the rim. When I got to college, we got a recruit in. His name was E.J. Haynes. E.J. was about 6'10 and long. My man had no problem. You throw the ball up close to the rim, he's catching it and finishing it. Guy goes by me on defense, which was often the case. I had my man E.J. back here protecting the rim. It's hard to shoot over 6'10 and long wingspans. You want to know what I never complained about? His giftedness. It was really awesome to see how his gifts and abilities protected my weaknesses. And then how some of my strengths protected some of his weaknesses. You see, good teams have different gifts and abilities, but they come together so that both are built up. And that's the function of a healthy church. We've been given gifts and abilities by God for our good. Your strengths are not going to be my strengths, and my strengths are not going to be your strengths, but they are vital to the health of the body. And you'll see, and, and it is, unfortunately, it is our reaction when we get to some of the gifts. Um, we look at them and we're like, ah, oh, the gifts of helps. Who, who wants the gift of helps, right? Or, or the gift of serving. I had one guy that was in a pastoral role, not setting an example in this. He said, you know what, eventually you'll grow out of this serving, this serving phase is what he called it. I thought, man, that's an awful thing to say. That, that, that's not what this gift is about. And so we're going to talk about that. But I, I want to show you the importance of each person's gifts and abilities. So I've asked Tracy Pope to come up front as a volunteer. So Tracy, uh, Tracy works up at Holmes High School, coaches the freshman basketball team. Um, Tracy, which hand is less important to you, right hand or left hand? Left hand. Left hand. Good answer, right? Which finger on that hand is least important? You better not say, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Which finger? Thank you. All right. Set it on the board for me real quick. Come on. Come on, man. I'm, I, trust me. All right. Now, listen, this is a little tyke's hammer, right? This isn't even that much of a hammer. Now, if I hit your finger, right, it's not important. It's on your least important hand, and it's the least important of your five fingers. What happens when I hit that? It's probably going to break. <laughs> probably going to break. Will you feel that just in your pinky? No. No, you'll feel it where? Everywhere. Everywhere. All right, thank you. Grab a seat, grab a seat. Uh, I won't do it. Right? Simple truth. The problem is we don't see the church in the same way. So we see people come in and go and like, oh, well, that's not that big a deal. That's a huge deal. When one person in the church, when one member of the body is suffering, the whole body feels it. Like getting your finger struck with a hammer. Your whole body feels that. And so when one member is struggling, guess what? The body suffers. But when one member does well, when one member is celebrated, the whole body rises with that member. 
And so we have to get this picture of church if we're going to understand the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are not given in a vacuum. They are not given for your glory. They are given for the good of the church, the body, and the glory of God. And so many times the people who implement their gift the best are the ones that no one notices. Good of the body, glory goes to God. All right, so with that said, from last week, I've got to, uh, to recap because I, there, there's a couple of things that are super, super important. One, um, you guys have those cards. If you weren't here last week, we went over three questions that we need to answer. You know, we're picking up in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. Most of what Paul has written and what Peter has written is already over halfway there. And in the beginning of their letters, they're talking about who we are in Christ, about how you and I are separated from God because of our sin. We're, we're not in the body. And that's a huge problem. And so when we get to this list of spiritual gifts and you're looking like, hey, maybe here, maybe here, maybe here. I, I don't want you to be confused. You can show up and be in attendance, but not be in the body. The only way you are in relationship with the people of God is if you are in relationship with Jesus. If Jesus is your brother, he is my brother, we become brothers. That's how the body works. So if you want to be a member of the body, it's only in Christ. And so on your uh, paper, on your index card, what I would want you to write is salvation. And we've had a few people put salvation and we're going to follow up with that. That is the most important decision you can make in your life. That affects eternity. And so before you look for giftedness, make sure you have salvation nailed down. Have you called on Jesus to save you? And then uh, we talked a little bit about baptism, and we'll be talking more about this uh, in the future. And then we talked a little bit about church membership. What does it mean to belong to Redemption Church, a local body of believers? And so any questions on those three things, salvation, baptism, uh, or membership, I want you to write on that card, and you'll turn into our, our tithes and offerings basket back there. But this week, for those who were here last week, I also want you to write down any questions that you may have when it comes to spiritual gifts. Any questions that you may have when it comes to spiritual gifts. And then next week we'll have a little bit of time where we'll answer some of your questions. So what does this look like? How do I know what my gift is? And I hope some of those are answered today. But any questions that you have, write it down and we will cover it next week. All right? All right, I know that's a lot. Last week, we talked about how our gifts are given to us by grace. So Paul says, hey, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Right. And I know this is the tendency, at least I've been coaching. I've had 18 seasons and the tendency of young men is to brag about their ability. And unfortunately, in ministry, we see a lot of the same things. In churches, we see people bragging about how effective they are in ministry when it is a God-given gift. And so Paul's quick to say, hey, don't think more highly of yourself. But then he also talks about how we should be hungry to use it. Right? Don't waste your giftedness. God has given you these gifts. Plug into a local body of believers and serve and get to work. Use your gifts that I've given you. And so grace makes us humble, but it also makes us hungry. Then we talked about our gift. Each person is given a gift, and this is what we're going to dive into today. We're going to look at the, I mean, there's 30 gifts in four passages. 
that are given. Some are repeats, but that's a lot of giftedness. That's a variety of gifts. We talked about how it's used for our good. We're going to hit on this next week. What does it look like to serve one another, to be in community with one another? And the awesome thing about this church, and I know we have a, a lot of people traveling today, but we have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. There's a variety of people in the room. What does it look like specifically for Redemption Church to serve one another? And so we want to dig into that next week and then obviously ultimately for His glory. Quick clarifications. Are spiritual gifts temporary or permanent? So I just want you to think, are spiritual gifts temporary or permanent? Some people think, well, uh, I think I have this gift and so I'm going to have it the rest of my life. Other people will say, hey, this gift is for this season. And then God moves you somewhere else to do something else and, and those gifts change. My answer to that question is yes. Some gifts are permanent. You'll have them till the grave. Other gifts change. I, I, I've seen this in the life of the church. I've seen this in uh, my own life. Number two, can my spiritual gift change? Can I grow into it? Right? And so on some of these you do. Now on some of these you do. Um, as... as a person is shepherding a people, right, which is one of the gifts. They learn how to care and provide and take care of the people entrusted to their care. And so I hope I'm a better shepherd now than I was when I was in Willow, Kentucky, in Bracken County. There's some things that I've gained through just living life experiences. There's some things that God has shaped in me that, that would make me a better shepherd. And, and what I am today, I, I hopefully will be better in the next 10 years. Right. And so there is room for growth here. Right. And this is also what we see with the fruit of the spirit. Right. Which are our gifts to us. You should be growing in your love and in your joy, in your peace and your patience and your self-control. If the Holy Spirit is in you and producing, you'll grow in that. And so, yes, these gifts, uh, you can grow into it. There is overlap. There's a ton of overlap. You're going to hear a little bit about an opportunity for mercy, help and serving. And it's all tied into to one thing that you'll have the opportunity to do. So there's a ton of overlap. If you're gifted in teaching, you're probably going to be gifted in exhorting people. And so there's, an over, there, there's no cookie cutter thing here. And so last night uh, I, I took a spiritual gift inventory. And in five minutes they give you your top five gifts in this inventory. All you have to do is answer questions. So here's a little hint. If you don't want the spiritual gifts of helps, just put down zeros whenever they ask if you want to help somebody else. Right? Do you like helping somebody move? Zero. You won't have the gifts of helps when they do the conclusion. <laughs> right? right? And so you're looking at this. And I remember I had a guy. We did this as a church, the spiritual gift inventory. And, and some of it's good to help you think through things. But you will not know your spiritual gifts through an inventory. Right? Because there's biases of the questions. There's personal biases. Right. And I had a guy and man, dude was crucial to our ministry when I served in Florence. And and he'd show up early and he would make sure everything was set up and he made sure our sound was good. And he came up with ideas, creative ways to better communicate the gospel because we had pictures that had blurry pictures. Like, hey, man, you don't have to do that. You can do this. Right. And, and he had this gift of helps where he saw something and he took the initiative to do it before anybody else in the room did. And so we both knew that that was his spiritual gift. Well, we took this inventory. And the man never speaks in front of anybody, doesn't want to. And he gets the spiritual gift of teaching and evangelism. And it's like, man, I'm terrified to, to do this. Like, I don't, I don't have any ability or desire. Or, 
And so he had saw in, in this inventory that well, maybe this is me. And, and listen, I understand that God can do anything with anybody. Right. When, when he wanted to knock out a giant, he didn't have somebody with military training, didn't have anybody with the greatest weaponry. He, he brought a shepherd with a slingshot delivering an Uber lunch. Right. And he says, David, come on, take care of this. So, so I understand that. But in the same way, these spiritual inventories are, are not how you discover your spiritual gifts. You want to know how you discover your spiritual gifts. Number one, you dig into the word. You dig into the, a great place to start is reading uh, the book of Romans. And then when you get to 12, you'll understand what Paul is saying when he shows you these gifts and how they relate to the body. Read 1 Corinthians. Read Ephesians or 1 Peter. And, and then know the truth. And, and then here's the cool thing. Pray. The Bible says that God arranged and equipped the members exactly how he wanted to. So, so here's the deal. God's not going to put you in a place with certain gifts and then hope you figure it out. Ask God for wisdom. And then get to work. Serve. Be connected. I've noticed more and more gifts are affirmed rather than self-identified. It's easy to say I can do something. It's harder to show you can do something. And a lot of times what happens is people will be in something, doing something, and everybody in the room knows this is not their giftedness. They're, they're not very good at it. It's a trial for them. And sooner or later they get burnt out. Or the people get burnt out. And nobody has an honest conversation. And so what I'd love to see as a church, and this would be a unique church for churches to do this, to have open and honest conversations, to build each other up. So when you see something in somebody, you say, hey man, this is awesome. You are flourishing in this area. Keep it up. Or you can say, hey man, is this a struggle? Well, this might not just be a right fit for you. Let's try this. I would love for us as a church to do that for one another. All right. And so those are just some clarifying things. All right. So now let's get to the gifts. In Romans, you see about seven gifts here. First one right off the bat, having these gifts. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, Having these gifts that differ according to the grace given, let us use them. And the first one right off the bat is prophecy. Now, prophecy is the gift that is the spirit-empowered ability to communicate the gospel and apply God's word so people are called into a right relationship with God. Right? So you're taking the word of God, calling people to a right relationship to God. Now, one guy that I've seen this gift in, uh, my wife and I were leaving church. Uh, this, was, this was, oh my goodness, this was 20 years ago. This was 20 years ago. We're leaving, so uh, we were just dating, and uh, we're pulling out of the parking lot, and this guy comes over and goes, hey, man, I got a word for you. Now, listen, whenever a guy pulls up or actually runs up to your car as you're leaving church, I got a word for you, it makes me nervous. I don't know about you. It made me nervous. And so I'm looking. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I have any spare change. I don't want to pull my wallet out. I, what does this guy need? He said, no, man, no, I don't need it. I just got a word for you. I'm like, all right, hey, let's hear it. And he starts quoting 2 Timothy. And this was a passage that God had used just weeks before to, to call me into ministry. Right? So I had a football injury. I was up. I'm reading the Word. And the Holy Spirit convicted me, hey, this is what you need to do. And then I have this guy, hey, I got a word for you. Running out my car. Made me and my wife nervous. All right? And he says, hey, I need you. This is what it is. Second Timothy, he goes, preach the Word. In season, out of season. Rebuking. Being ready to give an answer. He said, be sober-minded. Do the work of an evangelist. And then he gets done, and I'm just looking. I'm like, I can't believe this just happened. He goes, all right, that's it. Have a good day. Walks off. 
Never saw him again. But in that, there was a word that God had to deliver. Obviously, you take this and line this up to the word. So a couple things with prophecy. Some people will stand up, hey, I got a prophecy. Right? And there's a lot of people that have been misled with this. This is how cults are started. Right? I have a word from the Lord. The Bible is closed. You don't add to this at all. In Revelation, it warns people, do not add to this word. And so if you hear somebody say something to you that contradicts this word, it's not a prophecy. It's a lie. But sometimes God will use people to take this word and apply it to you for a specific situation. That's prophecy. Calling people into a right relationship, building the church up. Next, you see the spiritual gift of service. And this is, what, this is one of those gifts everybody enjoys but nobody wants. The gift of service is the spirit-empowered ability to do small or great tasks for the good of the body and for the glory of God. And I think there, there's interesting text. And now, just so you know, all of us are called to serve one another. So you can't say, you know what, I just don't have that gift. So I'm not doing that. I'm not stacking chairs. I'm not setting chairs out. I'm not sweeping. I'm not doing it. I don't have this gift. That's not what this text is talking about. What this text is talking about is people see a need and they are quick to meet it. And so a couple of people, and now listen, I've got to be careful here because I don't want anybody to be offended uh, by this, but there's a lot of people in this room that I think have this gift. One person that's not uh, Janine Humes, it is hard to outserve that lady. So she's a, a manager at Chick-fil-A. Um, we were feeding uh, the, ch the teachers at home's lunch one day. So I'm trying to figure out how do I get hundreds of sandwiches and box lunches into work while working? How's this going to work out? Uh, maybe I can just have them delivered. And that's like a $250 charge. And she's like, hey, why would you do that? I'll just bring them. It's like, that is awesome. Saves us a ton of money. Saves me time. She brings them. And she has these bags. And there's five bags. I mean, you, you talk about dangerous. Walking into Holmes High School with a whole bunch of chicken sandwiches and box lunches. You, you, that's, that's scary. So she walked in. Boom. Got to serve teachers. It's hard to out serve her. Uh, another guy, and he would hate that I'm bringing this up, which is also one reason I'm, I'm bringing it up because it needs to be affirmed, is uh, Shooks. Stephen Watson. So our website is a pain. If you guys have ever dealt with websites, they're a pain to deal with, right? You, you move one thing and the whole web page changes. Uh, my man relentlessly figures that stuff out. So you can subscribe to a music channel because he's figured that out. Uh, sermons are online. You can catch up on last week's message because Shugs has figured that out and you never ever know that, right? The baptismal, we got those steps right there, he made. I say that, we haven't used them yet. So if they do collapse, I'm sorry. <laughs> but my man just continually eager to serve. Here's a need, he'll meet it. Right? And, and he's not the only, I could go on and, and give examples of so many people in the room, but that's and it's some examples of service. Um, next, teaching. So you have one who's teaching, the gift of teaching. Um, this isn't exactly what you think it would be. Uh, the gift of teaching is the ability to take this word, to know this word, and then to know a culture and a context and be able to communicate it in such a way that people hear and understand the word. That's a gift. Right. And, and all of us in the room know teachers that are good and teachers that are bad. But the Holy Spirit does a work in people's lives so that they can understand this word in such a way that they can communicate it to a people that need to understand it. So um, this could be small groups. This could be coaching. 
And, and so you have different examples. So this thing happens in your season. You can take this circumstance and apply it to the Word of God. That's a gift of teaching. Uh, one guy that I had in my life that has was my student pastor. Um, Pete Coleman was his name. Uh, my man had a gift for communicating the Word of God in a way that middle schooler and high schoolers could understand it and apply it. And, and so different people, different gifts, those are one of his gifts. And so when you think of teaching, don't think of, oh, Sunday morning I got to speak for a half hour. That's not it. Think small groups. Think in your neighborhood. Think in your workplace. You might be the guy that has that gift in your workplace, and you need to communicate the word to your people. All right, gift to teach. Next, um, exhorting, which is similar to teaching. Uh, basically, this is the spirit-empowered ability to encourage people to stand firm or challenge people to move forward. Right? It's, hey, we got to get up. we got to move forward. Or it's, hey, don't fall for that. That's a lie. Stand firm. That's, that's what exhortation is. And sometimes people will have blind spots, but somebody in the church got to say, hey, 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 warning flag, warning sign, warning sign. And you'll be able to warn the congregation, hey, there's, there's some people falling for this. You got to be careful here. That's exhortation. Uh, the gift of giving. Many of you have been cheerful givers. Giving above your means. We are a financial healthy church because we have people that will give. And so uh, this, is, this is a gift that you have the ability to, to use your resources for the good of the kingdom expansion. Um, the, the example I use here is because it's, it's unusual, right? Most of the time when you think of money or think of giving, you think of money. But in this instance, we had a, a group, a small group uh, down at school, a bunch of preachers in the same class. And one guy was coming from Minnesota. And if you know anything about Minnesota, it's always cold and it's always snowing, right? Why you would want to live in Minnesota, I don't know. And then we had another guy coming up from the south down in Florida where you got the beach, you got some nice weather. So we're going to Louisville in February. Louisville is cold in February. And so we're all in this group and my man's shivering in class. We're walking, uh, we take a break, we had to go to the bookstore. And, and my man from Minnesota, Justin Hoover is his name. Um, he's just walking and he takes his jacket off and goes, hey, here man, to the guy from Florida. And I thought, man, that's, that's strange. I have a coat, I ain't giving it to this guy. He already lives in Florida. He's got enough good going his way. I don't need to help him out, right? But, but my man Justin understood something. And I think it was one of these, these gifts of giving. Hey, I've got this stuff. And it could be your knowledge, it could be your time, it could be your talent, it could be your resources. But you got it, but you understand that it's not for yourself. You understand it's for the good of others and the glory of God. And so you use that in such a way to where other people are encouraged and benefit from that and will follow your example. And so I'm so thankful God has given that to, to several of us in the room. And now all of us should be serving, all of us should be giving. Uh, the next one, leadership. Gift of leadership, spirit-empowered ability to unify, influence, and direct the people to where God is leading them. Uh, this reminds me of a, a former pastor, Tim Alexander. Um, he has, has gone and since passed away. Uh, but my man uh, led a church to build a gym, which you don't think is a big deal until you try to challenge people to give to build a gym. And then people are like, well, you're always talking about money and you're always doing... But we built a, a student activity center basically so students have a place to come and families have a place to come so they can receive ministry. It, it was pretty cool. Uh, Hope Ministries would, would have giveaways there uh, used for the glory of God because this guy saw a vision and said, hey, we're going to go and we're going to do this. They had campaigns like Vision of Victory, um, Vision 2020. And I'm thinking, man, that's forever away. 
And now looking back, like, oh, we got there. We did uh, one of his greatest leadership moves um, for you that have been in the church. You don't have them here. They're called hymnals. Right. And so our church, very traditional suit and tie hymnals on Sunday. You do the first stanza, the second stanza and then the fourth. I don't know why you never finished the third. I guess it was too long to stand. Uh, but he led the church through. Hey, you know what? We're going to get rid of the hymnals. And now, listen, we had people leave the church because we got rid of a songbook and, and we put the words up on the screen. And he led us through that. And, and so he he would change the methods without ever changing the message. That's leadership. And so here's the cool part. Some of you guys have the gift of leadership, but you're thinking, if, if I'm not the leader at the church building, I can't lead. But that's not the case. You can be a leader in your workplace. You could be a leader in your family. You can be a leader in your neighborhood. You can be a leader in your school. Guys always give an influence to his people. Leverage that so that people are directed towards God. All right, that's the gift of leadership. Next is the gift of mercy. Um, basically, you see a need, you have compassion on people, and then you do something to meet that need. Right? It's not feeling sorry for people, but it's actually moving to meet that need. Uh, I, I had a grandma that you weren't passing people who were hurting. You were stopping the car, you were getting out, you were praying for or giving to to meet that need. She was a very unique lady. You go into her house, um, and she, her and grandpa don't make a ton of money. But she had three children from Compassion Ministry International that she would give on a monthly, uh, monthly giving plan uh, so that they had their resources. And she'd get letters back. And it, it was an amazing thing to see this lady serve God with this gift of mercy. And so as her grandson, you know I benefited from that. I got my license. Um, I had my license, but I had no money in the bank account. Uh, and Grandma had a car. And she's like, you know what? My husband can take me around. How about you take this? And for Christmas, she threw me the keys. Man, I was pumped. I was a pumped. I had grandma's car. I still said, yo, mama, on the license plate, which I had to change. Uh, but man, I was pumped. I had my ride. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yo, mama, on my, on my license. It was awesome. All right. So those are, are some of those gifts. And, and then, and, and guys, there's, there's a ton. And we're not going to go through everyone just for time's sake. But this is what I want you to do. If you have questions on any of these gifts, I obviously want to answer those questions, right? So, so when you get down to, to something like administration, you're thinking, oh, what, what in the world? I'll, I'll say this, and Rick, I'm going to use you. I, I've, I've shared this before. Um, I was taking students on a mission trip to Slovakia, right? And so I understood this was where God was leading us as a group, and I understand that you have to fly there. You, you can't walk there. You can't drive there, um, but I didn't understand all the details that included, like passports and immunizations and time frames and deadlines. And Rick, we were, I don't even know the restaurant, Rick, but you took a napkin out and he had a pen and he goes, hey, well, you're going to need this. Boom. This is about $100. You're going to need this. Boom. Airfare. Boom. He's, he's Googling. All right. So it looks like it's about this for a uh, round, round trip there. He says, you probably need to leave on this day. Build this time in. You got this. And, and, and on a napkin. He, and he goes, all right, here you go, man. On a napkin, he took it, and the budget was spot on. He had no idea about how many students were going, but in two seconds, all right, there's 12. All right, well, this is what this means. Man, spot on. That is a gift. And, and so what administration does, and, and I think this is, this is one of those things that are very, very important for a church. We have this vision that we want to reach. The gift of administration helps us take the next step to get there, the next step to get there, the next step to get there. 
Somebody sees, hey, this is where we need to get to. Somebody else says, well, this is how you get there. And we all serve together as a body to reach the vision. That's an exciting thing for me. You, you see how each member is desperately needed in the body. And, and then a couple of things. Um, helping. So, so this is where helping and service and mercy all go hand in hand. So, uh, Richard, I want you to share just a little bit uh, about the opportunity that we have for, I, I think it's mercy, I think it's serving, and I think it's helping. All right, would you, would you share about the, the church down the block? I don't know how many there's the city of Covington, but there's a church up at the corner of 18th and Scott Street. They run a food pantry. Uh, it's just around the neighborhood, around the uh, Austinburg neighborhood there, and you got to be uh, lives in the city of Covington, he screened you and he takes donations and I talked over Brother Ben that maybe each week some church member church bring a can to it. It's one week it'd be all corn, one week it'd be all peas. And each week and then we gathered up and donated to this church for a I guess you call it community project or a goodwill project or however you want to call it. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Thank you, Richard. And so an easy way for gifts of helps, gifts of mercy. Um, I, I think it was both of you two, right? You, you guys saw a need and, and now, hey, we can meet this need. Right. So using their gift for that time and they might not have the gifts of help. Right. But for that moment, they, they do. And, and God laid something on their heart and said, hey, this, if they don't speak up, we don't know about it. We can't meet that need. Now we've heard, let's bring canned goods. Hey, and here's the cool part. We have no storage for a food pantry. And then go on, the pantry's open every Friday from 11 to 2. Boom. Boom. Pretty easy. Easy way to meet some needs in our community, to show the love of Christ. And so those are spiritual. And then I, I want to close with this, and I'm going to have uh, Mr. Fight come up and, and share just a, this, his story of spiritual gifts. And as he's speaking, I want you to write down your questions. Right? I want you to write down your questions. And if you want to keep it private, you're like, hey, I, I want to ask this question, but I don't want you to, to call, call me out in the service. Just write that down. Keep private. Right? But I want you to ask your questions. I, I want us to be clear on our spiritual gifts and how we function as a body. But this is very, very important. The church should be radically different than anything in the world because of how we are joined together. The, the church should be a radically different picture than anything this world has to offer. Covington, our nation, the world is in desperate need to see what the church has to offer, a unified body. And this is why we are radically different. In Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, if you're taking notes, write this passage down. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Now, who is the head of the church? I'm glad you asked. It answers it. Into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is why we are radically different. Right? We're not holding on to each other by our own strength. We have a Savior that has arranged us in such a way that He holds us and joins us together so that we are one body for one mission, to make much of Jesus in this community. And to that, God will be glorified. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your gifting. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us clarity just right now.
I pray that you show people that, that they're not a part of the body right now, that they see clearly in terms of salvation, and that today they call on you for salvation, that they confess their sin to you and call on you to save them, because you are a God who saves. And then I pray for those who are in Christ, for those who are in your Son and are a part of the body. I pray that you give them wisdom and discernment on their own giftedness, and I pray that you open up eyes to help us see needs uh, in our community, that we see church not as a place we go to, but as a people to belong to. And so I pray that you help us serve one another so that the body grows up in love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.